Hi, welcome to the Always Right Podcast. I'm Carissa DeLay, and this is... Jamie Vendera. Hello, Jamie. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Dr. Daughtry from Arizona State University. Hey. She's not ever done a podcast. She's she's excited, though. I tell, what did you put in her coffee this morning is what I want to know. She's got Diet she, Coke. Okay, you two ladies have been giggling, uh, giggling, giggling. Yeah, she drinks mushroom coffee. That's what it was. What? Wait a minute. What? What? Let's hold it. What type of mushroom coffee? Um, every I've got. I brought two, and TSA was very interested in all of my coffee. <laughs> Carry on. I'll never do that again. <laughs> they wanted it for themselves. That's my big ass thing of coffee creamer. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're wiping that down with a little. Like, what is it? What is that white powder in there? Like I'm really going to drink that, you know? So snort it. Find out. Swear. Yes. All right. I love this right. podcast. We're going to talk about college papers today, and who better to give us insight than a college professor? What? I mean, part-time comedian. Yes. <laughs> and full-time mushroom grower. Yeah. I damn, I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. All right. So let's talk first about who you are. Tell us who you are. I know who you are, who, who you are, but you I, yeah, sort of. Um, who am I? I am um, driven by my main value is curiosity. And so my entire life has just been driven by curiosity and I do new things because I find myself being curious about the world and the way it works. I, I had five children, so I was a stay-at-home mom for years and years and years. I taught um, one year of fifth grade and said never again. Oh. My wife did too. Yeah. Fifth and sixth grade math. Yeah. I had to coach volleyball. Yeah. Yeah, no. like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so then I went back to school and... Um, studied anthropology because I thought anthropology would save the world. Uh, and that was a very romantic <laughs> kind of spiritualized view of anthropology, um, but ended up going into religious studies um, because I needed cheap therapy. <laughs> and um, getting a master's degree in religious studies and then a PhD in religious studies. Then I went back to school because I saw the uh, tremendous amount of religious trauma, not just in my own community, but, you know, just all over the world, <laughs> trauma in the context of religion. And, and I've also been interested in the extent to which religion can help mitigate against uh, trauma and um, that. Anyway, so I went back to school in 2016 and uh, started um uh, a, a master of social work. And now I'm a licensed counselor, licensed therapist in the state of Arizona. I have a very small practice. I have like five or six clients because <laughs> it's not my day job. And I teach full-time at, I'm an instructor, full-time instructor at Arizona State University in the School of um, Historical, uh, uh, Philosophical, Philosophical <laughs> Shippers. <laughs> Yeah, the School of uh, Historical, Philosophical, and Religious Studies, yes. and um, 
and I, I'm teaching myself to grow mushrooms on the side because I'm an old lady and I don't want to be, you know, like put out in the desert when the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I, you know, it's like we were talking about on the way after she picked me up, this idea that the life of the mind is really, really rich. I mean, the life of an academic, you can know a lot of stuff, but that doesn't necessarily contribute to a community, you know, and even being a therapist, um, it's practical and it's certainly helpful, but I, I, my husband can do literally everything. He can manage your money and build you a house and castrate your sheep. <laughs> it's a random thing. But you grow mushrooms, so I think it kind of evens out. I've tried to, to contribute to, to my to my uh, compound community. My, <laughs> my family. You, I have a few friends that we play with that, that are trying uh, that are trying to create a compound. Maybe you could be their mushroom growers. <laughs> Like, listen, you need to add dope here. Let's start our own cult. I, that's what I keep telling them. This is a cult. They won't agree to the word. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what was going on. I, I said I'm excited about today's podcast because I'm sure a lot of people will learn from this. I had a lot of trouble writing papers uh, for college. It drove me nuts. And I remember I did one. It wasn't a big one. Maybe 30 pages on the history of the Hammond B3 organ. And as much as I love the subject, uh, it was like pulling teeth, staying at the library, the bibliographies, checking all my notes, all my stats. Ugh. So I'm hoping I learned something today so I can pass along to my grandson because I'm not going to write another college paper, but I'm sure a lot of our readers will. <laughs> well, I know that I personally learned a lot about the do's and don'ts of writing a paper from this lady right here. Because she had a very strict outline, you follow this and you're going to get a, a pretty good grade. If you don't follow this, you're not going to get a good grade. It's that simple. So what are some of the things that you, in the beginning, tell students to do? What are the key factors that you're like, when you're writing a college paper, you must do this? Well, you know, like, so I, I, I feel like I need to distinguish between what I require and what other papers, you know, other professors might require, um, or even like a writing professor. I'm not a writing professor. I'm in the humanities, but I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an English prof. So um, I don't, I, I get the sense that other professors or that they, that my students have been taught to write very general, uh, vague, kind of fluff filler <laughs> introductions like their first paragraph is and identity is important everybody has one mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and like that may be true and that's that's interesting but i want them to cut to the chase and i want them to be very specific about what they're writing about <clears throat> now this is to make it easier for for me and my teaching assistants to grade um so, I mean, so when I assign a paper, I, I like, what is the purpose of the paper? Well, for me, it's usually in an online class because uh, I teach exclusively online. Um, the, the goal is to hold students accountable for uh, reading or watching or whatever I've asked them to do. And, and um so I'm not in the classroom, so we can't have discussions. And then there's also the requirement of the, a particular class, um, Witchcraft and Heresy in Europe, fulfills a literacy, general studies literacy credit, 
uh, a requirement at ASU. And so that criteria is that the, uh, that 50% of their grade has to come from critical analysis in English. And so I take kind of that pretty seriously. I wish they'd drop that, but <laughs> but they haven't. And, and I don't know how much it would change how I teach the class if they did drop it. Um, since I am online, it's not like we can just show up and, you know, have fun all the time. It's, 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 it's not something that anybody shows up to. They can watch my lectures. They can read the textbook. So, so ease of grading, am I, um, what's my goal? I want them to read. And then, and then for this particular class, critical analysis in English, and I have to certify that they can do that. Right. That's half of their grade, at least, has to come from that. So, so if that's the case, if that's the case, um, I remember this and it was a lot of fluff, you know, so you were trying to fill up 30, 50 pages or however how big the, 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 you know, what the term paper you're writing was. Do you have still have a minimum pay, uh, page count or word count? <laughs> it's not even that. It's 500 word minimum. OK, wow. OK. And they write one of these a week for five weeks. Um, and it's based on a category. So I teach everything I teach is based on categories. I yeah, learned I that, you know, a couple of decades ago that, that using, using a concept or a category as a lens through which to, you know, to analyze something can really help students, you know, like instead of just turning them loose and saying, so I, I usually, in, in most classes, we'll assign a category for each module. So we usually start with identity. So how does identity, like for this, for instance, heresy, a heretic, how do you get that identity? Who who gives it to you? Who who has the authority and the power to call you a heretic and make that stick and to essentially ruin your identity, right? To spoil your identity. And so... Um, what are the identity characteristics, if you will, you know, like, um, of, of a heretic? And, and so I want them to choose something from the textbook that some example, one or more, and then go to town with it using the category of identity, using that idea of identity getting constructed. I remember enjoying how you broke that up. I, I, and, and it's weird because she was the only professor that did this where you break down because sometimes when you, when you're writing your 30 pages where you, you said fluff, you probably are like, how do I fill this? Yeah. Hey, yeah, exactly. But the way she did it was with the identity. And then you did, what you do? Perception. Uh, identity. Then we move on to power and authority or authority, power yeah. and or authority. Um, sometimes I throw in authenticity, like in, how do you tell, how did they decide what, who was an authentic witch? Right. What were the, again, yeah. identity characteristics, they all build on each other, right? right? So who had the power and authority to assign the identities? Who, how, how did you, uh, how did they establish? Well, there was this witchcraft narrative, narrative, you know, witches were known to be in, you're thought to be in, in league with Satan. They were thought to eat babies. They were thought to do have all bad fly. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have bad breath. All, all of those things, you know, and then the next one is bodies. What, how do human bodies figure in? And so the, the idea about the categories is that you can use them to analyze literally anything in the world, anything you're interested in. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I have, uh, what I love is that students will come back to me and say, oh my gosh, I've started looking at, you know, all my other classes <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or even when I read the news, I think, oh, there's identity, you know, oh, there's power and authority. Mm-hmm. Who has the authority, but maybe not the power or vice versa. Um, well, you know, you know, what's cool about this is, um, let's be honest, there's still a lot of professors that are going to have you write the fluff in the, in the big 30 page uh, term paper. And um, if you broke it down like this, I, if I had known this back in the day, it would have made it easier for me to write instead of being like, oh, I've only got seven pages. How am I going to come up with 23 more pages, mm-hmm. you know, and, and adding it in like that? Uh, as a, in this day and age, too, with TikTok and the way that I write fiction books, they're very they're very tight, concise. They're very short, so you can read in yeah. like three hours. Um, things are changing. Uh, hopefully, other professors will get into this model and shortening them because it's not about it's about the facts and getting to the points yeah Who needs what, where, why, when? that's still that's that's what's relevant and and I, I and i probably should just kind of quit reflecting on it and just say that i i end so they have to in the very first sentence use the category word identity identifies identified uh, identities some permutation of the assigned category in the first sentence in the first three sentences they have to situate themselves in place and time in France, in the Middle Ages, in, you know, um, you know, 1537 or whatever, you know. And that way they're laying out in that very first paragraph what it is that they're going to be writing about instead of just like identity. Everybody's got one. Uh, it, it's like how you're seen by the world. And and I just had I just read one like that. And she's this particular student was asking asking me i don't understand why i lost credit uh i was told that i you didn't i didn't <laughs> i didn't locate myself in time and place in the first three sentences and i did and i went back and, and the whole first paragraph was nothing but this general fluff uh interesting and and rel- you know like um true uh reflection on identity in general but I explicitly said, don't do that. And there was no mention in the first three sentences of, of either heresy and heretics or, um, you know, the middle ages or Europe, (laughs) anywhere in Europe. And And so it's just like, just follow the instructions and you, you know, you're going to do fine. Yes. And I'm telling you, I printed off Dr. Daughtry's like list of things. It's in the very beginning of her classroom when you're opening up the classroom, it has this, this laid out uh, segment of what you're supposed to be doing, print it out every time you make sure you follow. Just those, check the list. Check the list. Identity or in the but first here's sentence, the thing. check. After taking and learning how to write her, and you did this in the other class though, too, because I took witchcraft and heresy from you, but I also took, I think, was Women it? Women and religion. No, I, no. Did you teach religion to? 205 205 yes i took that class life sex and death yes so that's a that's a class so i took that class and you have the same kind of parameters to follow Mm -hmm. and it taught me even for my future class when i was doing my capstone when i was doing like those main where i had to write that really long paper it kept me like on point it kept me like okay get to the point don't add the fluff and then you'll realize how much you have to put in there 
It's not, it's not, I mean, and I don't think I ever wrote a paper that was only 500 words. I always wrote at least a thousand. Well, I mean, you can write as much as you want. You just have to at least write 500 right. words. And I warned them, you know, you have to be really, really good to get this done in 500 words. You're going to yeah. write more probably. Yeah, you need to write. You'll realize when you do it yeah. that way, you have to write more. But when you're trying to put fluff, you lose fluff. But when you're actually, put, but you also have to do the assignment. You have to read the material. Mm -hmm. You have to watch the videos. You have to listen to the lectures. You, the way she makes you do it almost is like a, a checks and balances that you did the work because you can't just skim stuff. You have to be able to write the stuff to know what's going on because as it continues and you're going from identity to power, you had to know who's identified in the beginning to understand who has the power later. So if you're not following yeah. the work. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to explain this to a student, student uh, day before yesterday who, you know, was... Um, really struggling with, um, I said, just ignore chapter two. If you've read the introduction in chapter one, that's all you, you know, like just pick something from chapter one or the introduction to write on, you know, just ignore chapter two. But then I realized when we were talking about what they're doing this week. Yeah. She probably <laughs> should pay attention. I said, to oh two. my goodness, you might want to go back and read this section to understand the gender piece. Right. Because, you know, just hearing this, um, my mind's always on fire thinking things. Number one, uh, I feel like we need a Dr. Daltrey's checklist to go with this podcast <laughs> to help people. But number two, you ought to write a book on this. We actually know a publisher, by the way. But, yeah, we know a publisher <laughs> a couple authors. <laughs> because, yeah, because I'm – and I'm very uh, interested because this could help so – not just writing college papers – but structurally with uh, how-to books, nonfiction books. This would be an excellent guide because people miss those points. Um, the other assignment that what I, what I, so I'm not an historian, right? I'm not trained as a, as a historian. Um, and so, but I love history. And, uh, but why does it matter? It's because, um, the concerns about, for instance, witchcraft and heresy haven't gone anywhere, right? We can see it in the news. We can see it uh, in our political discourse and and everywhere, right? So I have them uh, do a discussion where they have to do the same thing. They have to, they, they just find some sort of resource um, re that represents current concerns about whatever we're studying, whether it's not right now, teach, also teaching women and religion, women, gender, and religion. And so, you know, like find a resource having to do with, with uh, women, gender, and religion that, and analyze it, you know, discuss it through the lens of the assigned category. And, um, and so it's a similar kind of writing. It's a little, it's a lot less um, formal maybe, but, and, and the other thing in religious studies, we have to avoid personal opinions. That's the other writing. This is uh, something thing. that I learned from you. <laughs> writing objectively to be able to write objectively and not because you know I'm an opinionated person. So for me, no, to my no. <laughs> not you. Well, that's so to teach students the difference between academic analysis and personal opinion. Do they get to have personal opinions and express them? I, I mean, I have personal opinions about the religious ideas and, you know, things that I've written about, like in my dissertation and in presentations and stuff like that. Um, and so there's a way of using uh, humanistic 
evidence, you know, um, to show what's at stake for people. That's what, so this is the biggest thing that I try to train my students is what's at stake for people is what we care about, not what your opinions are about them. So like, you can think that they're right or wrong. I say, I do. I do that too. I have those personal opinions. They're wrong when they say that. They're wrong when they do that. That's different from saying here is what at stake for people when they do those things, when they set those policies in a religious group that harms people or that protect people. You know, like what are they trying to do? Well, usually salvation is what's at stake in the Christian context, right? Or in the Judeo-Christian context. It's some form of salvation. And so understanding why they do the things that they do. They're not just hypocrites. I mean, I'm sure there are some individual hypocrites. Um, but like in the, in the witchcraft and heresy context, when you're talking about um, the Roman Catholic Church, who was the winner, by the way, <laughs> of the battle over what was going to, you know, be Christianity for a long time, um, you know, they, there was a lot at stake for maintaining that that institution and for maintaining there. And it wasn't just that they were all hypocrites, you know, and wanted to live the life of luxury. Well, yeah, some of them did, but there was something at stake for them that had them set the policies they did, that had them hunt witches the way they did. I mean, there's this whole history of, um, you know, dualism, for instance, in, uh, in the Western tradition, and um, that has had people be reading the Bible, for instance, and looking to find, um, how to replicate Jesus, the life of Jesus, you know, how to live the apostolic model and, well, and then get des designated as heretic. Because, so when you, when you yeah. are, when you're in, something I, with your textbooks, do you get to select your textbooks? I do. And do they have to be approved through ASU? No. Really? Okay. It's hard. I didn't finding, know how they did, yeah. like, did they have to have a certain parameter that when you use them, like what they have to like fall into a certain category? Not in the, not in shippers, not in my, my school. Um, okay. now it's, it's entirely possible that in, I, I mean, I know it's, it's true that another, like in English, they have to assign a particular textbooks. Right. Right. But I didn't know if it had to fall with it because I know with other religious classes I've taken at ASU and anthropology classes, some of them, like one of them was the evolution, evolutionary medicine. And the, the, the book itself was very anti non-evolutionists. So when you're reading it, you're like, because I'm not an evolutionist, this book doesn't like me. So I didn't know if there's, mm. I didn't know if there was a, if there's a guideline when you, when professors pick books, what they're allowed to pick. Oh, I've never been, I've never been told what to do. And I've never been given a guideline. I've always just, um, you know, like the only, the only time I ever asked advice was when I first started teaching witchcraft and heresy. Cause I'm like, I'm not an historian. I'm not an European. I'm an Americanist. Um, but I know that I can teach this class. Right. And um, I went to the person who designed the class and I said, I'm looking at this book by Roper, mm -hmm. Witch Craze, which, oh, such oh, a good Run, book. Oh, my walk. gosh. That is a very good book, by the way. That's Run, a very good book. And, and his response was, I find that because she focuses on fertility, that most men don't get it. And I'm like, what do men not get look, about I fertility? Think, I, think I, my, I think I have it on my bookshelf back there, actually. It kind of makes me wonder. Like, very well. You yeah. must have had some crazy citations because it were maybe like I'd be going to my new age bookstore and grab, grabbing all kinds of stuff. You'd be like, nope, that's not the witchcraft book that we need. So. You can always, you can always use. The, well, that is one thing. You only use the books that they're are assigned. Academic them. press. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you have to use stuff. Okay. 
Yeah, you can't use. Chris's. Yeah, there are certain things you can use. For I mean, that. I could, I could assign a novel. I could assign um, a tech. You know, like I could assign. A, you know, I could assign anything I wanted. I would just have to be clear. You know, professors have to are supposed to explain why they've made their students buy this book. Okay. Um, and that's actually another issue that that uh, that is faced by professors all over is the cost of textbooks and the fact that students are just really tapped out. Uh, they've mm -hmm. got student loans, they've got X, Y, Z, whatever they've got, you know, and um, they're working two or three jobs to make. Uh, and we talked about this, the demographics of online students are such that they are older students, excuse me, that they're managing one job or more. They're raising children. They're taking care of aging parents or, uh, you know, they have special needs. They've got um, disabilities or what we would call disabilities. You know, um, they're they're neurodiverse or they're, you know, whatever they've got. They're yeah, have, like me, hearing problems and, yeah. and side problems. And they're navigating all of this stuff. And they don't have money to spend, you know, $150 on one textbook. They just don't. And so finding what I usually try to do is find textbooks that are available free through ASU libraries in ebook format. And if students don't like that or they can't utilize that, then they're free to buy their, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. buy the print copy. But but textbook, especially in classes like women, gender and religion, that is so tough. It is it is really hard, which is one reason they actually ASU hired me to develop that course. And this is one reason I don't like teaching it is <laughs> because it's, it, it's yeah. hard to find a, a, an up to date textbook that is available, that's accessible. You know, right? what I have found recently and I don't know if this is just a new thing with some of the classes I've been taking is a lot of professors have been offering saying don't buy a textbook we're going to provide all of it for you so well, every, you, can i hire you to do that for me yes that would be oh, nice i know i should have done that i should have done that for years yeah that's what they've been adding the work to be done for me the textbook is in there so you can see it's all like i don't know how they do it but the it's, pieces parts yes or they'll they'll just i mean the last class i took now, granted, the the reading was insane. There was so much reading per week, mm -hmm. but it was all available. Like she just uh, had the links to everything yeah. on there. And we just read all that and then you tested over yeah. that. But yeah, there was no, for the past couple uh, classes I've taken, there hasn't been a textbook. Yeah, I, I should do that. I mean, I'm getting to the end of my career, but. Although most students, I mean, this is a completely different topic on the podcast, but if you are a student, you're listening there are, you can take up, I think, $4,500, $4,600 a year on your taxes off of your school books. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I learned that last year. Yeah. Oh, no, I we did it for my wife when she was getting her master's yes. all, all through college. Yeah, well, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Four, five, wow, four or five years. Time flies. Yeah, when you're it's having crazy. time. It's yeah. crazy. So, uh, Squirrel, you know, that's how I am, ADHD. Back and I said citations. What I'm curious, what citation style do you use in your class? Well, what do you prefer? I mean, religious studies is, um, you know, in the humanities. And what, so, it and it's multidis, you know, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, right? You've got anthropologists who uh, teach religious studies. You've got, you know. So historians, obviously, um, but religious studies, 
unless something's changed, it's not like I go around and look at the stuff. <laughs> but used to, we used to say religious studies uses Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and I've gone back and forth. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like when I get a TA who will take off a bunch of credit when somebody misses a comma, I'm just like, stop doing that. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. You know, Thank you. I want students to practice. Um, I really like the author date style because of the in-text citation is just so, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but as a, as a social worker, what do we use? APA? APA, I think. Uh, as social worker, when I was in that program, I had to use APA. <laughs> now I'm a student in uh, a Celtic Studies master's degree program at the University of Wales online, and um, they use something called, I don't even know what it is, somewhere, cl- something close to Harvard, starts with an M. I've ne- never heard of it. Oh. Harvard. That's I don't want to do this. That's not it. stuff up. But I, you know, I, I like Chicago. I took a year's, two semesters of graduate level editing class using Chicago. <laughs> so it's so interesting. I at ASU, I've done two classes that were Chicago. Mm. Yours and Everything else. another professor. It was a guy. I don't remember what the class was. I think I actually think it was my class that was pre capstone. Mm the guy that I take like the pre-class before that, like mm-hmm. 300 level or yeah. whatever, um, where it's teaching you how to write that paper. Other than that, they've all been APA and one of them was Emma, like the, the MLA. MLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything yeah. else has been APA. Yeah. So. Yeah. You think a college would get together and uh, use the same style. Cause I could confuse a student, you know, and they yeah, could get marked off for that. Yeah, but you yeah. got to kind of figure them out. And honestly, anymore, that's another thing. If you're not sure how to write your your citation, literally, there's a citation um, generator. So you can, you could, for the most part, go to an online library, say, okay, I need APA, copy it to your thing, and then post it on there. That's how I do it. You just got to make sure which ones have a, a hanging tag and which ones don't. Yeah. And, and the fact that I'm online and, like, I'm just, like, ignore Chicago's hanging <laughs> Mm-hmm. because you're not going to be able to get that in the discussion post, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I just want students to practice. I just mainly care that, I mean, plagiarism is a huge thing because people don't get intellectual property. You know, like my youngest daughter is an intellectual property um, attorney for, she's a partner in a law firm, big y'all law firm. I mean, she does pets, <laughs> but, yeah. but still, you know, like it, I also took a bunch of graduate classes on intellectual property. And so, I don't know how anybody could get by with it nowadays. And here's the crazy thing with AI. I, I, I was playing around with AI for an article just for my school and telling my partner, one of my partners about it. He says, you got to watch that because that's exactly what will happen. You know, with AI, it's going to pull and that could be considered plagiarism. I said, I never thought about that. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally do it to write an actual book or anything, but it's got to be running rampant now and you're going to get caught. Yeah, well, ASU has actually embraced it. I missed yesterday because I was on the plane or getting on the plane to come here. I um, I missed a workshop that I had um, registered for through ASU, uh, an Eventbrite thing on um, using AI as your teaching assistant. 
Oh, really? Like, hey, I can get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're, they're like, embracing AI, you know, and that's another reason for, I think, that I have argued for doing away with that literacy or at least reconsidering what it means to be literate in English, you mm-hmm. know, demonstrate literacy in English. Yeah, it's always changing. Uh, I have no problem with AI. I mean, I, I've tested it out, and it's it's more of an inspirational tool for me. Um, yeah, I can't, you know. can't write fiction yet because I mm. I was like, I wonder. So I I didn't do it as to like create my story, but someone had asked me, maybe it was you that asked me, Jamie, about what my thoughts were on AI. So I experimented with it with Grammarly. And so I wanted it to write a mysterious paragraph and it couldn't do it. It's like, no, oh, I don't, it didn't know how to, it didn't know how to do that. It didn't know how to imagine a mysterious place or to create a dark energy. It was all like, this is, it literally said, you're not being positive. It was trying to keep me on this positive loop. And I'm like, I don't want to be positive. I want to write a fiction novel about a serial killer. I feel like <laughs> if you, if you gave a parameters, like I want to write a story about somebody who looks like Chucky but it's this, a green Martian, or whatever. You gave them all these parameters. It could spit something out, and it's kind of like you word vomit just using text-to-speech. You would go back through it and be like, oh, okay, that's interesting. No, I'm not going to write it like that. But it inspired me, and then you would have to, you'd mm-hmm. still have to do a lot of editing, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, the thing about plagiarism is it, it's not like I, – I, I think we've <laughs> – I don't want it to be a shameful thing. You know, I want it, I want people to learn the difference. Like I realized it, 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 this didn't happen that long ago that I finally realized that people didn't know the difference. My students didn't know the difference between paraphrasing and quoting. Mm. And, um, and I had a very, very dear friend who for well over a decade taught English lit or, you know, write creative writing at ASU or writing at ASU classes at ASU. And, and I know that there's no way that she or any other professor at ASU can prepare every student for, to, to, to know how to write or to, to know how, you know, what it means to paraphrase it, you know, like some students are going to get it, some are not, and, and some are not going to care until it matters to them. And um, I just want students, you know, to be thoughtful about, I want them to be mindful. Do you, do you happen to remember like the worst paper a student ever turned in? We were, <laughs> we were talking about this. I, um, no, I mean, the, the worst for me, because as I was explaining to Carissa, the worst papers for me are the, that caused me to be afraid. And that is because of the specific nature of religious studies in a public university, the Supreme Court, the way it's interpreted, what it means to study religion in a public space means that I can teach about religion. I cannot preach religion and I can't let my students do that either. That's why avoiding personal opinions like there's a way to say, like, don't you want my opinion? Yes, I do. Your academic, you know, backed up by humanistic evidence by, you know. Uh, but I don't want you to say they're wrong in doing that <laughs> because that, that's a personal opinion. I may agree with you. I think it's, it's wrong that they burned all those witches, you know, or, yeah. them or whatever, you know, that they tortured all those people. Yeah, that was horrible. I agree. That tells us nothing about what's at stake, right? Yeah. So For like, them to have them do that. So let me ask you this then. So with your 
your parameters that you set with your pages, how often in the beginning of your class do you have to reiterate that to students? This is why your scores are so low. Mm, yeah. Um, usually it's one, that first, that first assignment, the first category first analysis. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. People just don't and, get it. And, but most of them get it, you know, but someone will just say, they shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, that's why in the syllabus is there's a list of words not to use. Shouldn't is one of them. Should yes. is one of them. This you is, know, yes. um, hypocritical. So I have this list of words she had, that yes, she don't had. say those things. Don't call them crazy. Don't, you know, that's a personal opinion. I might agree with you, but that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss why did they do that crazy stuff? You know, <laughs> that, that stuff that they, we think is crazy. Whenever I was writing and I put my, put it into a word doc, I would go through uh, Dr. Daughtry's list. I would, I, well, I knew I didn't use the word crazy, but some of the other words that I may have used in natural speaking, I put, yeah, yeah, yeah. put them in the search engine, made sure I didn't use those words in the sentences before I turned this paper in because those were her, those were her Don't guidelines, do that. but it, it, call re yes, it reformulated how I looked at future work and how I looked at future statements of, objectively. So I That's a really good tip. Decision yeah. to their language, their use of language. What were you going to say, Jamie? No, I, no, I was just going to say that was a really good tip. Uh, for those of you listening, if you're writing a term paper and your professor's like, you should not use the word should definitely do a keyword search in your paper before you turn this in oh, I'm sorry. or else you could lose some points. So, yeah. That, and I, I do think that's something you should think about is writing a book about the do's and don'ts. Oh, absolutely. Writing a paper, because even though your papers are only a minimum of 500 over the course of a seven and a half week course, she's probably got six papers, six to seven papers in there. So yeah. you're getting more than that overall. If you put them together yeah. and you're doing a paper a week, well, that's what I was saying earlier, because if she's talking about identity and this and that, if you look at the course of a, a larger paper, that would possibly all be in there. That's and a guideline. You know, I've said, I've done that in previous semesters. Take um, all of these analyses that you've done of these categories and then make a paper out of it. Mm -hmm. Give me a, an introduction that introduces what is, you know, what's common about you know, all of these things that you noticed mm -hmm. and, and slap a conclusion on it. Um, part of my problem is that I don't want, and I don't want my TAs to have to grade. <laughs> yeah, but, that is a lot. Yeah, but the worst paper to me is one that is a proselytizing paper that, that either contains a lot of personal opinions about religion, <laughs> You know, this is wrong. This is bad. They shouldn't do this because it's it. That's hard to. It's just it's just scary as a professor to get that kind of. Paper. I, I would have to say that even though I haven't spoke with most of my professors about the same question, every professor that I've had through anthropology and religion have that same. Please do not give your opinions, please. And they always reiterate when you write this, it has to be objective, not an opinion. So not outside of Dr. Daughtry's class, I also had other professors who would restate that whole thing. Don't give us your opinion. So they probably don't want that opinion because that's not what it's about. Religious studies is the study of all religions objectively. Anthropology is looking at the human, you know, human uh, culture objectively, not as a belief system. It's just looking at from like the, the facts, not from 
personal opinions. Or- yeah, correct. So if you were Jewish, you ha- you can't. Uh, I understand you have your beliefs and your opinions, but you can't downplay a Christian or a Muslim when you're when you're writing these papers or, or you're another studying. brand of Jew, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Like um, those, you know, you can't you you can't say you know my brand of Judaism is the true one, the right one. Um, but I, you know, usually I, I try to just be very forgiving. Like really, if you will follow these, I have a lot of A pluses in my class. I want them. My background is in education. My first degree a million years ago in 1978 was, um, you know, education. So I was trained as an educator. Um, and I want everyone to succeed. This is not, it's not law school. It's not a competition. There aren't only a finite number of A's that go out. I want everybody to get an A. And if you just follow the instructions, I'm giving you a roadmap for an A. If you can write your way out of a paper bag, you know, if you can just follow these instructions. You know, uh, I said at the beginning, Chris has said it, and I got to I got to reinforce it. You definitely need to write a book because um, maybe I am interested in the subject. But if I were interested in uh, witchcraft and what had happened and I'd taken your class, I feel like I could learn how to become a better writer uh, from following these rules. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, students come back and tell me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, See? Okay. You gotta write a book. He's only graded. Next project. Got- yep. We're getting her to write a book. Yeah, we're going to start getting her bio and her picture up on Vendera Publishing, and bam. Yeah. Coming soon. Can I yes, throw it? Tag teamed. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the people who don't know. So this, this okay, we should have said this in the beginning. Yep, she's wearing your Just Day 2 shirt. I'm wearing my my control freak. Control shirt. freak. <laughs> um so one of the things I knew I was gonna love this woman was one I put it in my bio. Well, she had blue hair in her picture. She had blue hair in her picture. It's not as blue, but it's got the tint of blue, like a bluish purple. I just had it colored. Why is it not blue? No, it's bluish purple. It's bluish purple, but it was more blue in your picture that you had. Yeah, yes, it was on her other picture. So it does have blue, but the one on her thing for her professor bio was blue. I'm like, oh, after my own heart. Yeah. Then, then she, she's like, you know, don't email me, text me. I'm like, yes, I hate to email. I give students my my email. I mean, my my yes. number. Yes. Yes. Want to be accessible. Yes. So cell phone number. I'm like, yes. And then she's like, oh, and I play video. She didn't specify. She just said she played video games. I'm like, who is this woman? I have to know. <laughs> so before class even started, had even started, I just have, okay, I'm just going to text her. I'm like, hi, Professor Daughtry. I'm a student. This has nothing to do with the class, but what video game do you play? Because <laughs> I play video games. She plays the same video game with me on the same type of console. And I'm like, Don't. so now we play all the time. I guess the last class you took with me, I was like, we didn't play while you were my student, but when right. did we? Well, I was, so they got that rule at the school. Uh, students are not allowed to play video games with professors. Well, so I, t- I t- have some boundaries, right? I took her first class. I took her first class. Um, <laughs> And uh, then we got to playing video games because we hooked up online or whatever. Then I, w- I had an opportunity to take her her witchcraft, witchcraft and heresy class because I needed it as like my uh, extra for my my degree. And I was like, hey, I said, is it improper if I take this class with you? And she's like, no, we just didn't play during that time. So like I had like a span of like seven weeks where we really didn't play together. What's so agony? <laughs> 
to each other online. Sorry, I can't play with you. I'm still stuck on you saying witchcraft. Listen, my, my tongue gets in my way. <laughs> I know we're going over, but I love this podcast. I got to ask, do you do you do any writing? I mean, you're you're into this. Do you write anything for leisure or poems, nonfiction, fiction? Um, <laughs> no, you know, my dissertation ruined me. I'm and I'm, you know, I have to write for this Celtic studies program that I'm in, and that's been agony because I don't get the British. I mean, the the UK system, you know, they're <laughs> is like. Greek to me, but I hit with uh, my foot. I cross my hands to try to not talk with him because I'm always moving. I'm trying so hard today. So but I did start a book with a friend about um, Carissa on writing. No, was it was, okay. I'm planting the seed. <laughs> I started a book with a friend on um, what was it? Mental health for people in the in various contemporary uh, pagan communities, hmm. um, kind of. Uh, but it didn't go very far. Um, we kind of have dropped that. Um, I do like writing. I I used to write a lot for like I used to go to conferences and stuff, and I used to like to write papers on. Um, of course that. Some of that's academic, some of it is personal, you know, but um, I would like to write a book. This is not the first time this has come up in the last week. Yeah. See? Yeah. The first one is, I think, is the the toughest. It was for me. But once you do, I don't even think it'll be tough for you, depending on what you're writing. Because if you decided to write a book on how to do these papers, that would go just like teaching a class. It would float, but then you would get that bug, and then you'd be writing this or that. You may get into fiction and the nonfiction. That's what happened with Carissa. Well, and the thing is, it would be very easy for her to start with just taking the outline that you give students. Here's what you do. You literally put those into a thing, and then you just expound on them. Why are we doing it this way? Yeah. Explain. And then say, this is what brought me to having you do this. a video on it. No, I listen. I'm like a product developing freak, and I'm already thinking this book doesn't even have to be that big. It could be out. You could do a lecture video. Bam, bam! You have two products, mm-hmm. and then you're then you're traveling, and then you're you're teaching these, doing these lectures here and there. Yeah, you know that is interesting because as a mental health professional as well, this um, you know I really want to integrate uh, the mental health aspects into you know, whatever I write Uh, and and presenting, you know, I mean, it's like, why do people go into social work or or whatever? You know, Mm -hmm. well, it's because usually because they want to make a difference. They want to help people, but they're doing that either in a group setting with 10 or 12 people or in individual therapy. Um, And you can reach a lot more people if you a write a book or B and or B um, do conferences or presentations to larger groups Mm -hmm. and it's amazing the difference you can make in a big group oh yeah Uh, oh no absolutely i've I've done this all over the world uh with with voice uh my first book came out 2004 and i did a uh got a few tv shows out of it and it expanded from them and i was doing workshops in in europe middle east australia and it's just uh it's an intimate setting, even if there's hundreds of people there. Yeah, it's just yeah. something magical about it, spreading the word. About, 
what's in people's hearts. You know, I mean, you're. Yeah, if someone's going. If it. someone's going to your conference, there's something in them that that spark. They want to know mm -hmm. more, even if it's yeah. just this much. There's something they wanted to know that. What's at stake for them? Right. What? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Or as we like to say, what's in it for me? Yeah. What's it? Yeah. Carissa, well, I, uh, I am so it, excited we got to do this. Yes. Sorry. No, this is fun. This yeah, is, I want to do more of this. We plan on going over on this one. We plan on going a little bit longer on this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I dig it because this is very, very important. And uh, for those of you watching, Dr. Daltrey's book will be out soon. We'll let you know when. <laughs> that way, I know you're wanting these notes, but we might not give them to you. You might just have to wait for the book. So. Yeah, we have to wait for the book. Or get a roll of our classes. It'd probably be cheaper to buy the book, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. Number one research university in the. That's why I picked ASU, though. Yeah. Because of, it was the top for, for the studies. It's which, such a privilege. And the only reason I took the only reason I took uh, classes was because of my nonfiction book. Yes. And so when I write future stuff classes, especially the one that I've taken from Dr. Daughtry and how to look at things prospectively in writing is going to help me in the future as well. So. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast today. An honor and a pleasure to be here. Yes. Yeah, so I'm assuming. Lovely to meet you. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And I get, but, to, I, get to, I get to spend the whole week with her. So I'm excited. Yeah. So it's a lot of it. Are you going to like set up like two PlayStations side by side and uh, play and scream at each other? Or are you going to go to the beach? Football. I did travel with my Xbox. I you have a dedicated Xbox. Xbox. I don't know. Uh, I should have said Atari. I got an Atari. I got an Atari VCS here somewhere. <clears throat> now we play on Xbox. She brought hers with her. So she's trying to get that figured out. Uh, so yeah, we will be playing this evening, of course. So, but then we'll be doing stuff today. We got all kinds of things planned. Where she's, I'm gonna my it's pedicure. She's, yes, it is reset day. She's hey, nails done. Is she getting a tattoo? Several. Oh wow! I'm so jealous. I am. Go home. I'll tattoo. She's done. I don't know how many you've done on me now, Carissa. My favorite one, one's two. the branding one. Yeah, the Vendarans, you can't see it because it's all the way up here. You have to show pictures where I'm crying. You have to show the videos. He's a baby. Oh, Scott, Scott did it, took it like a tramp. Or... Yes. <laughs> I want to tell him that night, tonight. I said, man, you take it like a tramp. Oh, yeah. Although that's kind of, you know, fitting as well. <laughs> what was the other word you said? I don't something clickier. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Can you catch like a mushroom tea buzz over the internet? Because <laughs> I feel like I'm getting affected here. Right? <laughs> okay. I don't know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, ladies. So uh, we can follow us on our socials, Always Right Podcast. You can uh, follow us on our YouTube channel, Always Right, as well. Uh, be sure to listen to our previous episodes, as long as well as this one Therapy Witch. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she is on it. Yes, she's therapy witch on her Xbox. Yeah, you can follow. You can be friends with Twitch. us on Xbox. Yeah. Oh, and Twitch. Yeah, she's on Twitch. Yes. Okay. If you two get overrun with a lot of you know twelve year old uh, women Wait. haters playing video games, <laughs> I take care of those people in Crucible. Thank you very much. I yes. I, yes. <laughs> yeah, you have. We've discussed that. Yes. All right. So no child is safe. Until next time. <laughs>
Uh, we want we want to make sure that you uh, continue listening. Uh, I am Carissa Delay, author from and, Vendera Publishing, and I am Jamie Vendera. And the, thank you so much, Dr. Daughtry, for joining us. Yes, thank you, Dr. Daughtry. It's been a pleasure. Yes, and always right. <laughs>